On this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast, I am welcome, welcoming back Elaine Shercliffe, and we're here to talk about part one of the Lance documentary on ESPN. Hi, James. It's a pleasure to be here doing this thing that I had really no clue about until I started watching it. <laughs> so what were your initial reactions? Well, we'll go in depth later, but just initial reactions from watching the, the two-hour part one. Okay, well, my first thought was I did not think that the first two minutes of this documentary would have more F-bombs than the entire episode of The Last Dance based on Dennis Rodman. (laughs) I knew we were in for a wild ride after that. And then, I don't know, I spent the whole time with, like, my, my jaw on the floor because I only had base knowledge about, like, he won the six championships he had testicular cancer and he um he was doping but like i just knew the surface parts of it i didn't really know much about how anything worked from i didn't know that his cancer was so bad i didn't know that the doping was so deep like so i was just in shock the entire time yeah that's about where i was uh i I, like just like you uh i knew we're in for a treat when i Thought I was watching Goodfellas for a second, where it just, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, over and over again. Okay. So, same reaction, different connection, I guess. You, you decided to go with the Dennis Rodman last dance. I'm like, hey, it's like Goodfellas. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't mean to be stat correction guy, but he won seven Tour de France's, not six. But that's besides oh, the point. Even, yeah. I just was so shocked. I don't even know anymore. I don't know. Nothing makes sense or is real anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So when I came into this, my knowledge of bicycling was very limited. I I knew there was the Tour de France. Uh, I I knew that Lance Armstrong uh, rode a bike. He had cancer and uh, he won seven consecutive Tour de France titles. That's about it. I did not know anything else about any of the races. I did not realize competitive uh, cycling is more popular than I thought it was. That's yeah. Where, that's where I was. And I know Lance Armstrong doesn't have the, the best reputation to begin with, but he came off as kind of a dick. Yes! <laughs> okay? He, he came off as a dick, and, you know... But not a lovable one. Like, you know, Michael Jordan came off as an asshole, but he was like a lovable asshole. Mm -hmm. And like, I even like Isaiah Thomas, even though we know what an incredible dick he was. Mm -hmm. But I just had a hard time finding many positives about Lance Armstrong. Yeah. And before we before we get too far into this, it's important to separate uh, Lance Armstrong, the person Versus Lance Armstrong, the cancer survivor. Because I feel a lot of times people will say, oh, he survived cancer and give him like a a pass for his actions or, you know, how he behaves. And we're not, it's not about him and what he went through. It's about him being a dick because he was one. Right. (laughs) I just, I feel we need to just get that out in the open now and before we even get too far in this. Right. No, I mean, that's the thing, like, you, there are things you can, ch- okay, so there are things you can choose to do with your life 
afterwards, after you've been through something as traumatic as cancer, as I saw with my dad when um, he beat it twice, uh, when Lance said that he had a chance to be something to do even more good in his life or be better at his life, or I can't remember what the exact words were but it was kind of like in his response to saying like I had this second chance to be better and I in in his mind being a better athlete and still continuing to dope was like his version of being better and it just shows that different people have different versions of what better is Mm -hmm. to them now the subject of doping will be one that is going to go on throughout uh you know part one and part two um now what is your i guess feeling towards doping and uh do you find this comparable to when people use uh performance enhancing drugs in other sports like team sports baseball football basketball etc so from a sports standpoint so i'm going to kind of like separate sports rules Mm -hmm. and then like non-sports rules. Mm -hmm. So if you're breaking a sporting rule, you're breaking a sporting rule. It doesn't matter if everyone else is doing it. You're still breaking the rule and it's wrong. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how good you are. You're still breaking the rule and it's wrong because are you as good because you're doping? We will never know how good he would have been without it. And um, I, I don't really like the idea of like, performance enhancing drugs even if they're legal but then you get into this gray kind of area too um because what's really considered performance enhancing and what's not is it because it's manufactured but some people even consider some all natural alternatives considered um performance enhancing so it it's a really like loaded question on that and how i feel because there's no clear-cut definition across all of sports about what's acceptable performance enhancing, what's acceptable from even like a doping standpoint, because I feel like every sport has a difference and every um, professional level, every level has a different definition. And so I, I think that's where it gets like crazy to me. Yeah. So we're, here's where I'm at on this is that, um, I understand everybody in vice in you know cycling whatever it was doping, so I understand why he did it. But I, but when you compare it to people who have used uh, you know some sort of steroid or whatever, you know, little thinking forward here to uh, another ESPN documentary coming out, the Mark McGuire Sammy Sosa home run one. Uh, people have mixed feelings about you know players like that and Barry Bonds and you know Roger Clemens. But the difference for me is I don't look at them the same way I view Lance Armstrong because Lance Armstrong's sport of choice, uh, you know, be it cycling, that would be like part of a workout regimen to help one of those other guys prepare for their sport. You know what I mean? Right. So his sport is would be part of a, a training for some of the other guys. I mean, the other guys go out and, you know, they got to go hit a baseball. They still got to go make contact with the ball. I mean, they could do all the steroids in the world, but if they can't swing a bat and make contact to save their life, it's pointless. 
you know, exactly. a, a football player, he still has to beat the other guy who's, you know, defending him or, you know, blocking him or, or basketball. They still got to make the shot. It, it, it's different for me in that regard. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. No, when you put it that way, that's actually a really good point. Um, I, I do know from watching, just from watching it in that, um, in the documentaries, I kind of picked up on too, that you have to still have like a sharper mind to know and a steady hand to know when you, um, can go around a person, um, so you don't take out everyone else Mm -hmm. or so you don't wipe out. So I guess people can use that as an argument to say that it's the same as like basketball and baseball and stuff like that. But uh, I just don't think. But from a physical performance perspective, it's different. Yeah. From a physical perspective performance, it is different because like you said, if you can't make contact with the ball, it doesn't matter how strong you are. If you don't have accuracy, it doesn't matter how you sink a basket. I guess also, like, I don't really know the ins and outs of how cycling works when it comes to, you know, like going around a person mm-hmm. and stuff. So I don't want to make a definitive yes, I agree with you. But I'm like 99.9% on your <laughs> side on that. <laughs> Like, he had to do other things in order to train. Like, he probably had to do, you know, like, other exercises, weightlifting, you know, probably other forms of uh, cardio activity besides just cycling. But his main sport was part of something people do to prepare for other sports. So it's different, to me at least, in that aspect, because it's... It's it's just the exact benefits of doping... Giving him, you know, more red blood cells, more oxygen in, in his system, has a direct correlation to him being able to cycle faster and longer, and that's where I'm at. Right. Yes, I I see that, and I agree with that. So uh, something funny that happened. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw it on your broadcast of it, but there was a a, a new Genix commercial airing on ESPN. Uh, during this documentary, uh, I found that kind of funny. <laughs> I did not catch that, but like, okay, I don't, when these things come on, um, my family, were not allowed to talk during, mm-hmm. so it has to be done during the commercial. So sometimes I miss these commercials. <laughs> um, and we only have that rule because my mom is basically deaf. I mean, like literally basically deaf and my dad is half deaf in one ear and like full in the other mm-hmm. so we'd have to like yell yeah. <laughs> over all the dialogue so for me i i tend to miss commercials um whereas like when we're watching the super bowl we were talking during the super bowl and uh, I watching see. the com- yeah <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch the commercials during the super bowl <laughs> but i found it humorous that there was a new Jax commercial on. I'm just like, you couldn't have picked a different time to show that commercial? Right. Read the room, people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, the, the whole doping thing was it was throughout the entire part one. And it's only going to get more extensive as we go through. Yeah. Um. So I just found that, you know, kind of funny that there was a new Jax commercial mixed in there. 
uh, <laughs> another thing. Of course, thing, there was. <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> the the one thing I did find humorous, and I saw that you pointed out last night on on Twitter, was. Um, I know what you're talking about without even. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you'd managed to draw a comparison, another comparison between Lance Armstrong and the Last Dance documentary by Lance Armstrong having the ability to just make up rivalries whenever the hell he wants to. <laughs> That's so scary to think. Like, <laughs> do I want to know? Do more high-level athletes do they do that? Like, do really good artists do it? Is this like? Do you have to have this level of? Um, like on the cusp of having a psychological problem to actually succeed in your craft. Like I, I'm seriously concerned <laughs> about the mental well-being of so many athletes that we have not seen uh, seen documentaries on. I mean, it the fact they acknowledge it is a good thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, the fact they acknowledged that they made them up. Well, Michael Jordan acknowledged it. (laughs) I don't know if Lance Lance ever did it. It They didn't cover that last night. But, oh my goodness. Like, I... It's just concerning. But it's also like, wow, you're so competitive that if no one... You can't keep that hunger going unless you think someone's doubting you. And I just, just I found that very uh, interesting in, in regards to to Lance Armstrong. It's another high profile athlete. Um, his legacy very much different than the than that of Michael Jordan. But they used a, a, a very similar tactic in order to to motivate themselves, in order to keep themselves competitive and performing at a high level. Granted, Lance Armstrong did have a little uh, extra help. Uh, right, <laughs> but. Uh, I just, it's its amazing to me that they're just like, uh, in his head, he's just like, yep, that guy uh, said something to me and I'm mad now, so I'm going to beat him. It's just like, what? <laughs> right, like, all I can think about are people who are like, that person breathed wrong. I'm done with them. And I think about how annoyed I get sometimes with people just on, like, little ticks, like, why are you staring at me that way? Why are you breathing that way? Why did you yawn that loud? And it makes me so irrationally angry sometimes. And I'm like, is this what they go through? Is this what... (laughs) Like, do they hold on to that? Like, I let it go within a few minutes. But, like, do they just hold on to that and bank it away for when there's nothing else to motivate them? (laughs) Sometimes it feels like it. They're just like, you know what? Fuck that guy. And that's all they need to keep going. (laughs) Right. It's like... It's like, yeah, I don't, I can't even put into words. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's, it's very interesting. Um, It's very, just, and like you said, um, how many other high profile profile athletes use the same uh, motivation method? Because it seems like it's not as... Uh, uh, special <laughs> when you hear more than one person say it or you know more people uh, it seems like will at least say it whether it's true or not They, you know, right. some will probably just hop on the bandwagon and be like yeah I do that too right and we know that these were taped 
before either of them were aired. So mm-hmm. it's definitely so, a genuine thought. Yeah, this isn't a, a case of copying uh, someone else. Right. But those two were those two individual, like you said, genuine uh, responses and <laughs> genuine information and you know way that they, they handled things right like they're almost proud of it yeah one thing i don't want to say it, it it irked me or bothered me something just like uh i've kind of had an issue with but not really uh his adopted dad taking some sort of uh, credit what a d-bag i I almost turned it off. I was like, motherfucker. I'm like... <laughs> you. He took way more credit than he should be getting credit. Any credit that he actually deserves or earned, he's like trying to take ten times that and like multiply it even more. Like he's trying to get like some sort of like uh, 20 year investment with interest and all this other crap on this. It's like, dude... Know what you did. Right. He is my (laughs) least favorite person in this documentary, and there's a lot of people to not like. (laughs) (laughs) That's saying a lot that the the adopted dad who had all of, like, two minutes of screen time is your least favorite person so far. I mean, that's one of my biggest um, issues in sports or anything, really, is how many people will be like, I I made you. And I hate that so much. Like I remember in um growing up, well, I remember in high school, you know, graduating the year LeBron did, but going to Walsh and him going to St. V and people playing against him from other schools or like coaches and stuff, trying to take credit, full credit. I get that every person provides a, a different level to you every person you meet ever whether it's for like a fleeting moment or you've known them for 10 years it's just how it is but the amount of people that try to take full credit for what LeBron did in high school just drives me insane and so when I heard that from this stepdad who was very strict um trying to say that he is the whole reason that Lance Armstrong is who he is. And it's like, no, you're not. No one is the whole reason why anyone is the way they are. And you got your two seconds of fame and now you look like an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. Cause that, that's where I'm at. He looks like an asshole. And I was just like, if you want to take claim for Lance Armstrong being a dick, be my guest, because it seems like that may have come from you. But, but they had uh, so many of the same smug, like, looks and laughs, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, he probably picked up some bad shit from you. <laughs> any of his, like, weird, uh, you know, asshole tendencies or you know, anything <laughs> like that, yeah, they, they came from you. But, d- <laughs> dude, no what you're responsible for and his performance is not it <laughs> right it's and maybe a part of it 
maybe a part of him was driven and he used some of that that he didn't like about his stepdad, um, you know, there. Like, maybe he's used that to help him power through to the end of a race. But that's not all of his career. Yeah, I mean, that's such a small sliver to the, to the whole story, you know, the whole thing behind him. And, it's and just... as we see, it just goes into all sorts of... <laughs> All sorts of ins and outs of things, you know, which kind of reminds me, I had tweeted out about, because I, I had never, I didn't know much, you know, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, and I tweeted out about, you know, his mom forging that birth certificate. That's how far back the cheating started. Mm-hmm. And if she hadn't, if they hadn't have forged it, if she hadn't allowed it, I said it could have stopped, maybe stopped the cycle or at least slowed the cycle of cheating and some guy came into my dms in the middle of the night i got a few ats but oh, some okay. random guy yeah some random guy came into my dms and was like ripping me apart saying i'm blaming it all on his mom and like she was a single mother and that is so bad of me to blame a mom for who he became i did not say that first of all mm-hmm. but also as a parent you should be directing your children to do the right things. And I know that she was young and she also was still growing. But what I said is that it could have stopped or slowed the cycle because he would have had someone who told him no at some point in his formative years. Mm-hmm. But up until that, up until like he had that friend that he had in Italy that would tell him no, he didn't have anyone telling him no. Mm-hmm. Other than when he swam with a bunch of uh, six-year-olds when he was, like, 12. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. But it's just... Now, I don't know if it would it, it would it would stop any sort of... Yeah, I don't of, think it would... Or, or, I mean, if anything, it would, just, it would just delay everything one year, maybe. I don't know. I mean, because the, the thing is that it's not... Maybe, maybe it that... encouraged behavior later... And I right. think that's the but point that, you're trying to get across here. Was it, it, it encouraged and said that doing things this way or, you know, getting around the system is okay. I think that's what you're trying to, I guess, right. to, to also, state. Right. And I also didn't know how deeply corrupt cycling was at the point of that tweet. Yeah, I mean, you, like you said before, you, you, you know nothing about cycling. I, I knew that cycling had a doping right. problem and that's about it. That, that's my knowledge I didn't even of cycling. Know, I didn't even know they had a doping problem. I thought it was just the U.S. boys that <laughs> had a doping problem. It turns out, <laughs> nope, it's everyone. If you're not doping, you're not cycling. <laughs> right. I didn't. So when I tweeted that, I assumed it was from my knowledge. And I chose not to do research before watching because I wanted to um, ha- go in with an open mind. I don't want to say open mind, but I want to go in with more of like, I hear what he says and then Google it and look for old articles Mm -hmm. instead of seeing if what he says matches up with an article I already read Mm -hmm. since I had never, I didn't have knowledge. But so if I had known that it was that deep, I would have been like, well, he never would have been saved. (laughs) (laughs) 
tweet never would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the uh, the cycling is just so it's so fucked up. It's still fucked up today. Uh, it's always going to be fucked up, and there's nothing that they can do to 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 uh, fix it. They mentioned in the documentary by the time that the the World Anti Doping Agency started uh, testing and stuff like that that the people that were doping were already years ahead of these people. And that what they were using at the time wasn't even detectable. Right. So, I mean, cycling's still corrupt. It's always, probably always going to be corrupt. I mean, the the only thing that's probably uh, comparable is soccer. (laughs) In terms of corruption, in in terms of... Soccer's super corrupt? I don't follow soccer that much. Not from, a, not from a doping standpoint, but from just a, an overall corruption standpoint. Like, oh man, lots maybe of sketchy shit get... goes down in soccer. Maybe I need to get into soccer just for the drama. Uh, if you, if, unless you want like the same five uh, rumored uh, transfer moves to be showing up on your uh, phone every week. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's always the same thing. This player wants out. This player says he doesn't want out. This team's targeting this player. It's the same fucking thing every couple days. It's just like, okay, so we're just rehashing this one again. You know what I mean? Darn. I was hoping it was going to be like... Just just Google corruption in soccer uh, and have a nice little read for this afternoon. Because <laughs> you'll be like, oh god, this is bad. Uh, yeah, so look that up. Um... If you never watched uh, the 30 for 30, um, uh, the two Escobars, watch that one. Oh, man. That, that's the one where Pablo Escobar is also involved. So, yeah, well, good, I good start there. When you, right, I assumed when I heard the two. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so check that out. But, anyways, back to this. <laughs> back to cycling. Back to Lance Armstrong. Um. Now that we have a little soccer tangent there, but <laughs> um, it's just it seems like that if anyone is going to have any sort of level of success, that they're going around the system in one way or the other. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, it's just it seems just that's just how it is. It seems like, and then, and whether it's fair. If everyone's doing the same thing, I guess everyone's on the same playing field uh, in that regard. Uh, but they shouldn't be doing it. Right. Uh, something else you tweeted last night. <clears throat> you said, never oh, knew God. never knew the extent of Lance Armstrong's cancer. Holy cow, how is he still alive? Seriously. Like It, it sounds, was so bad. It sounds like he was going to die when they're when they're going into detail about this. Like, he had, like, it sounds like he had zero chance to actually, to, to make it. <laughs> yeah, so, let me kind of touch, I'm going to talk about my dad here, and hope that he doesn't get mad at me for talking about him. Um, he had, in the late 80s, early 90s, he had stage 4 melanoma. And that was considered, like, stage two at that time was considered a death sentence. Um, So watching him watch them talk about everything that Lance had and that it was stage four, my dad was very acknowledging of the fact that Lance should not be alive today because he knows that he shouldn't be alive today. Mm -hmm. 
And I really like when you I thought it was just straight up like they caught the testicular cancer and he had surgery and that was it. I did not know about removing the skull parts of the like skull to get into his brain or his brain stem, uh, his lungs. I mean, this man should be dead. I mean, my I and I know that there are miracles and and resolve and determination can happen because my dad should be dead. Like mm-hmm. he, sh- there's no way around it. He did an experimental radiation treatment and he's one of the only ones that survived from his class of people that did it. So like he should be dead and comparing the two and seeing that like afterwards, you know, my dad still struggles cause it was in his leg. Like my dad could never run again. Mm-hmm he will always have a limp because he has, you know, it gives when you, his was in the lymph nodes. So it takes out your lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. And so his, he's always going to have this limp. His legs always going to be swollen, you know, to see how much it affected my dad's life. And he was unable to do the things that he loved doing and hearing Lance Armstrong say how hard it was for him when he came back because he was like, when I had cancer before I knew I had cancer, I was doing all these things with no problem. And then after this and the surgeries and I don't have cancer anymore, I can't do any of those things. Mm-hmm. And I, that I felt bad for him. And like you said, we had to separate the cancer survivor from the athlete. But at that point you think of how, they wove into each other and having to modify your life to, um, to make up for the, to like be able to continue doing things you did before cancer, but not being able to do them to the same extent has to be so hard. And the fact that he then did it even with illegal means Mm -hmm. still, is incredible because even with doing things illegally, he still shouldn't have been as good as he was. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was really long. No, that's fine. I mean, the, the <laughs> you summed up everything there perfectly. I mean, I did not realize uh, the extent of his cancer. I did not realize that it spread. I did not realize, or I did not know that he had uh, have surgery on his brain. Uh, I did not know that he was coughing up blood. I didn't, I I didn't, I didn't know that. So I, like you said, I thought it was, he found something, went to the doctor, they took care of it and he was not fine, but you know, relatively, uh, not as extreme, you know, just like found cancer, had surgery, recovered from cancer. I realized like we're talking deathbed here because it seemed like we're like at that parts you know we're on the the brink of that it seems like yeah and then it it kind of makes me think too though is it sports are really good especially in in men's sports at not telling you the extent of how a person is suffering um from mentally to physically mm-hmm. so years later and we, we i've seen it in hockey and I just bring up hockey because 
that's the easiest correlation for me. But years later, we see how we're like, oh, they um, they had like a broken leg, like a normal broken leg. And then years later, we see that it wasn't a normal broken leg. It was shattered. Mm-hmm. And they came back too early. And like, you start thinking about some of the other sports and that happens, you know, think about the Browns and how OBJ should have not been playing. And he was playing mm-hmm. injured because nobody wanted to admit that, that he was quote unquote weak. And it just started making me think about how that's an, another aspect of sports, especially men's sports that needs to change. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're seeing that, you know, cheating and doping is an issue across sports, <laughs> but it was really bad here. Yeah. Um, and that drugs and stuff are an issue. We've seen this in the past two ESPN documentaries. Drugs are an issue. People's inability to talk about their weaknesses, whether they're mental or physical. Mm-hmm. And um, also just like cheating. These are all issues that have been an issue for so long, and it seems like they're still not getting dealt with. Yeah. I mean, that just seems like where, we're at, where we are. And I don't know when uh, things will change, but they definitely should change. Um, One last thing about uh, Lance Armstrong and his recovery from cancer. Very very remarkable that he was able to come back to even perform at the level that he did, even with, you know, the doping. But, you know, in comparison between, let's say, someone like your, your father and Lance Armstrong, I mean... The, the difference in recovery in is it's huge I and mean, not everyone gets that type of that type of recovery sometimes people like that they once they get sick they are never able to perform at that type of level again right it, it, it happens the the success the success stories are so few and far between that when there is one and it comes out and they're the top of their sport that they become this iconic figure. The only problem was is that, you know, his means of getting to the end uh, of, you know, top of the hill were not necessarily uh, legitimate. Right. That's a big problem. <laughs> because I look at, um, I look at other athletes who have been sick and returned, uh, like Mario Lemieux. Mm-hmm. He finished his last cancer treatment hopped on a plane, had a multi-point game that night. Or it was the next night, I can't remember. But regardless, you know, and I think about how now as I grow older and see more athletes, I'm probably going to look at Mario's ability to win and be successful as a more pure, beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Because as far as I know, it was... There was no performance enhancing anything involved. Mm-hmm. And Lance's had it. So while it's still a great accomplishment, it's just still tainted. Yes. It still is going to have that asterisk next next to it forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, the fact he was just able to get back to being an elite athlete, and he still obviously is an elite athlete now, is... He spent, like, I don't know, 20 minutes of the documentary uh, just shirtless for no reason. 
Um, <laughs> uh, you saw that he still keeps in shape. He's still, you know, athletic performance-wise, he's still probably at or near that elite level. So it's yeah. it's th- seeing someone come from where he was, basically, where the doctors were essentially lying to him about his chances of survival, to coming back to where he is now. That That's... I guess the incredible part of the story, the fact that he's able to not only overcome that, but uh, get back to and stay in uh, such a high level of fitness is where I'm, what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, it's it's kind of in, it's kind of insane. Yeah, even though he might have got a little uh, little boost. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and, a little boost. And, and speaking of that, I, I like the fact in this. Uh, documentary that they're not they're not fucking around with it they're not like alluding to it but not saying it they're not you know not talking about it all because i think there there could have been a chance that we got a little bit of glossing over of the doping they came out right at the beginning and just like talking about yeah i I doped and all these other guys just long list of guys there's like five or six of them that all said that they did it right and they were all like oh you're gonna go there first okay Sure. Yeah, they, I mean, they they got that out right out of the way. They were like, doping, they did it. They all said they did it. And, and it was not like something that they were just, you know, they're not they're not just giving non-answers or just, you know, not uh, alluding to it. Not, right. Like, getting, you, getting you 90% of the way there and not finishing the sentence. So now I will say I think the side interviews were very fully and openly genuinely honest about what they did and what other people did mm-hmm. I don't feel like Lance was I felt there were too many times where he visibly was picking his words mm-hmm. and he would ask like a different question back and then answer it and so when you do that multiple times in an interview for the bigger hitting questions that help tie everything together it leads me to believe that maybe you're semi-glossing over something like there's more to it not a ton more but just a little bit more that you could say but you know it will get you in a lot of trouble yeah it seemed like that too and what what it really seemed like that this was a case of is that he had prepared or rehearsed answers to questions that he wanted asked in a, in a very specific way, and the questions that they were asking him were not necessarily the way he wanted or intended them, or, the, or his answer wouldn't answer it in that sufficiently. So he yes. was rephrasing it. Or, you know, putting things in a different light or perspective so that his answer that he had prepared or rehearsed beforehand seems like it actually answers the question when, may in fact, it only gives you 50% of the information originally intended. Exactly. Um, So I don't feel like this... I'm going to compare the two documentaries just because they're coming out in a row. <laughs> but I don't feel like parts of this documentary are as genuine as The Last Dance. I feel like The Last Dance was like 10 episodes of just unfiltered genuineness. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at least everything that they showed, which then allows them to cut if they feel like maybe they should protect the person. Yes. <laughs> um, but this, it, it's almost disappointing because it's like, oh, you want, he did say that he wanted us to hear his side of the story, how he remembers it. My truth is what he said. Something along those yes. lines. And so I get that. But if you're not actually going to tell your truth, then it's just a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I get you there. But, you know, I just, from an overall perspective, it seems like they're being more more honest and more truthful or open than I think maybe some people, at least I did, at least I thought they would. Because I thought this, this had a chance to be a total just mockery of a, a documentary just because of... Just because of the person, uh, just because of the subject matter, I, yeah. I, I thought that they could have totally just did the old bait and switch with the, the content. And it doesn't seem like they're doing that. Oh, they're not. And that's great. I, um, I'm i still soaking all of this in, though. We're, <laughs> we're, what, like 20-some hours, a little under, like 16 hours from when we watched it and I'm still soaking it in and still trying to process it so I'm sure like if someone asked me some of these questions Thursday I might have a more clearly thought out different view of how I feel but it's just all all of its new information yeah and and, and, and so it's a lot of information <laughs> it, it's a it's a lot of information about something that admittedly that neither of us knew a whole lot about and we're about to get a whole lot more next Sunday when part two comes out. And it looks wild. I thought this was going to be boring. Okay. I thought it was going to be boring because I don't know anything about cycling. And I, I, I was wrong. I, I agree is... with you. You think bicycling? Good that boring. I mean, that's, that's the shit you put on TV when there's no other thing to put on TV for background noise. Right. Right. That's, that's the thing where if you go to like, uh, you know, uh, when restaurants are open, you go to brunch and there's no, there's no like sports on, but it's, Hey, look, Tour de France is on, or, you know, it's just, it's like, Oh, okay. That's on. Right. And the only things they ever really showed for clip wise in the news is when someone like wiped out and 10 people went down with them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you you always see those, you see the, the guy in the, the yellow shirt finishing first, You, you see, uh, some person of interest because he's like last year's winner or someone who's a, a popular cyclist and yeah. that's it that's all you it's all you hear i mean you, you don't get this detailed information it, and it seems like we're gonna get a whole lot more and i think things are about to get a, a little bit wild yeah i'm actually excited <laughs> you're excited about a cycling documentary think about that <laughs> Right. I'm so excited for next week because I'm like, I, towards the end, before they started showing what the the clips of what next week would be, mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way that they can top the craziness. And then they, they showed those clips and I was like, holy no, what? This is, okay, let's do this. <laughs> like, it, 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 I don't even know if I'm ready. <laughs> it's essentially like... Uh... The, the scene from Seinfeld where George is driving Susan's parents up to the imaginary house in the Hamptons. Where he just goes, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts! And just slams the door. That's what that was. That's how it should start. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally how it should have started before he started dropping F-bombs. 
I, I like the F-bomb intro, though. I mean... It, it was so good. Because I think a lot of people thought it was going to be boring. <laughs> and I also like that they're they're not censoring it either. So I, I like how they're just like, censor? What's censor mean? And they just keep letting airing documentaries with the word fuck in them. I know. I love it. And I try not to swear too much anymore, but this is feeding my potty mouth soul. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm sure next week we'll only continue. And I don't know if there'll be any uh, any f bombs in the, in the Bruce Lee documentary, but I feel like there'll be quite a few in, in the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa one. God, I hope so. I really you hope think, so. Are they going to touch on Cheryl Crow in the, this documentary? Didn't they date or something? Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I just want to see... I want her opinion. (laughs) I want to know what songs... Did you write a song about him? Did you? Did you write a whole album? Like, I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. uh, I I don't know if she uh, makes an appearance or what they discuss uh, in relation to her. I I imagine there's probably going to be some point where, you know, they discuss him as being, you know one of the most well-known athletes on the face of the earth and you know he goes from just you know cyclist to celebrity i think that that will probably be covered in some capacity yeah hmm but i'm excited excited for part two yeah it's gonna be crazy if it's not crazy i'm gonna be really disappointed (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, it, they would—they almost have to try hard for it not to be crazy or exciting, or at least you know, at a baseline, be entertaining. Right. Because this was just the setup. This was the—we saw it, the setup, and the setup was entertaining. Right. And here's my thing: Ferrari was in it, but they didn't really discuss him, like they did, but didn't. So, why did they really put him? in there in the documentary like they could have done without him so is there going to be more about that in the second part i don't know i think they'll probably go more in depth into what he did and what his methods were and i mean we we don't know any sort of um if there was any sort of uh agreements that lance had to sign when he you know did stuff with this guy because if you remember he said that uh him working with the the ferrari guy was a secret nobody knew about it it was one of those oh yeah there there could have been some sort of non-disclosure agreement or something like that but i don't know uh, in regards to uh statute of limitations how long that would last or any other crap or if it because if if it's a binding thing and and you know this country if it was signed in a different one i don't know i mean i am not a legal expert here i mean here's the thing though like if they don't tell me what it is, I'm just going to make something up. <laughs> I'm sure the wonderful world of Google can answer all of your right. questions if they are not uh, sufficiently answered in part two. But if you, you can't be great unless you make things up and also use it to your, your hate fire. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is a perfect way to end this one right there. Perfect ending. 
God. It's not as perfect as the I love Steve Kerr so much. <laughs> but it's damn close. Oh, this documentary was insane.